Annihilation, Civilization V, and Holiday Games. This is Staying In. Right, lads, so I apologise for being late. Um, it's all right. I've just, I've been away with my uh, girlfriend's family for the weekend. Now, my, my, my significant other, my partner, is Slovakian. And okay. Easter's a big thing in Slovakia. And is it? It's, it's okay. huge. And I, we turned around, we were turned up there for breakfast, which us being us, we ended up having at one o'clock in the afternoon. And of course. Picture this, two plates full to the brim with more meats and more varieties of meat than I've ever seen in my life, just sliced. Is it, is this two plates each? Or no, two big two plates, plates in the centre of the table, okay. um, but there's yep. like four layers yep. on each plate of meat and cheese. Okay, so this is, this, this is a continental Completely, completely. Okay. Which okay. is good for us because we're about to go away to Europe together where it's just going to be continental breakfast as far as the eye can see. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this was Slovak style and they do things proper. So it was basically just meat. I mean, I, I basically ate my way through the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. It felt like that. Um, even the bread had meat in it. Like, Brilliant. Um, was it meatloaf? I'm, I'm pretty sure the squash did as well. Literally right. layers of um, this. Um, I get about a quarter of the way through this plate, two plates. I have about a quarter on each plate, so about half the plate in total, and I'm quite full. And then I remember my girlfriend telling me that it's like traditionally you'd eat this out of a basket, and it's bad luck not to finish the whole basket. Oh. And no. her her dad just gives me this kind of like this kind of little twinkle in his eye kind of look, like, okay, are you, are you gonna do this then? Are you gonna? If you want to date my daughter, you're <laughs> finishing are you, are you this gonna, meat. Yeah, exactly. Are you gonna condemn this household? To bad luck for the next year by not finishing this. <laughs> that is brilliant. So I ate so much. I went past my Christmas limit. And honestly, oh no. it was so bad. At one point, I breathed in and I cracked a rib. It felt like I cracked it. But honestly, <laughs> like, honestly, I couldn't move. I, I, I really couldn't. And, uh. and and then we woke up again today for breakfast. And it was like Groundhog Day. It was like the, the, the level, it was like an escape room. It just reset. The same two plates, <laughs> full to the Chris, brim on the was table. It that, like, was it like when you woke up, your last memory was eating? Like, you, you just like, I just ate a second ago. No, 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 Chris, you've been asleep for 10 hours. Like, you were just asleep at the table. Like, I've got to get my rest wherever I can. Uh, yeah, literally. It was, like a, it was like an anaconda that just eaten like a sheep. And it needed like a week <laughs> to digest it. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like, just the... Oh, and the cheeses as well. It was just amazing. But really, but, I mean, honestly, I've, I've eaten enough for a week now. I, 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 honestly. That's not true, Chris. Um, I mean, vegetarianism is largely an abstract concept in Slovakia, I've understood. Oh, so, right. Um, okay. Yeah. Is Easter like a really big deal then? It's huge. I think, I think, it's, it's, like, I think it's a largely Catholic country. And, in, and mm. um, my partner's... Or Orthodox, some... maybe? Or, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'm not the best person to ask, but I know for a fact my partner also, she grew up in Greece as well, which is, Easter's also a very big deal there yeah, as well. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's bigger than Christmas in some regards. Not that they have like a little league table, but it's pretty big. <laughs> um, so, Chris, is this like, because I can eat a lot, but yeah. for me to eat a lot, the situation has got to be very social. So if if you guys were coming round mm. and we were just sitting around a table chatting, playing a game, but in the centre of the table were like 20 Big Macs yeah. and 55 chicken nuggets, yeah. I could happily make my way through that because, you know, we'd be chatting and drinking yeah. and, and doing other things. Mm. But, what, but, Sam, but Sam, what if I told you that if you didn't eat those 20 Big Macs, you would condemn the household for bad luck for the year? Mm. <laughs> but that, But that's what I mean, like... So in this situation, was it very much like a sit-down family meal? Yeah. But added onto that an eating challenge, because for me that sounds like the worst thing. I I think it, it kind of became a little bit of an eating challenge. I obviously want to impress the family and her. her, her, her <laughs> well, I, so they chose your specialist subject, eating. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, it was so lovely. Like they want to share as much of that culture with me as possible. So I'm learning bits yeah. and pieces of the language. But like her okay. dad introduced me to this morning to essentially what was their version of haggis. Like, I don't <gasps> even know what was in it, but like, oh. and, and like he is tough as nails, this man. He's got this lovely really? twinkle in his eyes. He's, he's just such a sweetheart, but he's tough. Like he just sat opposite me. He'd sliced a thick slice of this for me. 
and he just and it's basically just every kind of meat. The rest of the basically the misc pile of the butchers down on there that used to work in the abattoir. Uh, slice of that, and he, the way he eats it, his preference is to have half a sliced raw onion on the top with vinegar poured over the top, and he oh, just eats it. What? It's incredible. But what what I love about this as well is that, like Chris, when you say that you're learning a language, yeah. te- usually when you learn a language, the first thing, the first sort of phrases that you learn are like "Yes, please" and "I'm okay." <laughs> I'm prosim. Thank you very much. And so when someone's serving you something and trying to communicate them in Slovak, all they're hearing is "Yes, please," yeah. <laughs> "Thank you," and just like you not learn the language to say, in fact. That might be a bit too much meat product for my liking. And it just made me think that, like, we don't really have much Easter traditions here. When I, in Birmingham, my school was quite pagan. <laughs> so my school, we didn't have, like, it wasn't a C of E school. So it would have quite straight, it, it was like the Wicker Man. So we'd have maypole dancing. Sorry, and you get sorry, prizes. Chris, hold on a second. So, so as, as many a British person, I went to a C of E school. No, right? I didn't, yeah, you see. I did, yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay. CV school is like just it's basically just a normal school except they force some prayer on you once yeah. a week or something like that. Now you're saying that you went to a pagan well, school. Well, I mean I don't know how else to describe it really because that's like a kind of pagan tradition the maypole dancing. Did you have like assembly amongst like monolithic stones? Yeah, Chris, you weren't you weren't like slaughtering lambs every <laughs> new moon, yeah. were you? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I do remember the Ofsted inspector getting put in a giant wicker man. <laughs> Kids, if you, don't, if you don't, if you don't draw a, a giant naked man in white stones on the side of this hill, you won't get an A plus in geography. I mean, we weren't like. It's not like we were kind of like. I mean, I don't want to offend any druids, but it wasn't like you know what you're kind of thinking that stereotypical kind of way. But there was. But it was interesting. The kind of traditions we drew from were kind of kind of a slightly pagan with a small C, not a capital P. Small P, not a capital P. That kind of paganism. <laughs> How do pagan you spell with pagan? a small C? I don't know what you're talking about. Today, I went I went to bed at 3 p.m. and just ate an entire chocolate, like an Easter egg, and then fell asleep. <laughs> that, I think for the majority of people, um, which is kind of unfortunate in a way, is Easter is the day of the year yeah. where it's legitimate to eat chocolate for breakfast. Oh, no. But but what what's made Easter so brilliant this year, and I mm. wish this could happen every year, like at, at the moment, the church... Parts of the of the English diocese are lobbying to have uh, Easter on the same day every year, like Christmas. Because at the moment, Easter is on a sort of spurious calendar where no yeah. one's ever quite certain. A bit like when the clocks go forward and back. Yeah. Like, no one's ever quite certain mm. when it's actually going to happen. And even when they tell you, they don't believe you. But what was brilliant about this year, and if I was lobbying on part of the church, like I'd love this to happen every year, is is Easter Sunday was the same day as April Fool's Day. Well, that's what it ha- that's what it, that has been this year, hasn't it? I think the last time that happened was 1956. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's fantastic. It's made Easter so much more fun. Yeah. Because people have been like, like I saw someone on Twitter. It was just like time to get the kids uh, Easter. Easter party pack ready and they were dipping Brussels sprouts in chocolate and hazelnuts and putting them in Ferrero Rocher packets and I was just like brilliant like what better occasion than a a a a religious festival that that has been so bastardized to teach kids that having chocolate is having tons of chocolate is great but because it's on April Fool's Day suddenly the power's back in the parents' hands so they can dick with their kids <laughs> are there any are there any like, other holidays that you'd like to kind of mega mix like take two of them and create <laughs> like like Halloween and Valentine's Day <laughs> oh. oh I'm sure there's some horrible scary stories that you know. <laughs> what <laughs> like goth dating good just trampling across lots of different cultural sensitive buttons here we've offended the pagans we've offended the christians we've offended the goths good well we've offended everyone now all right this this lads this yep. is ridiculous what's this the, is ridiculous what's, what's what i'm ridiculous? looking at now Right, I'm on a website at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Called, and the website is mm-hmm. it is gamesmediabritlist.com. Oh yeah. Right, this this is ridiculous. This is right. <laughs> is this an April Fool's Day, Sam? Thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
of all the pranks I saw at April Fool's Day, yeah. actually, one of the funniest things I saw was someone posted uh, April Fool's Day, the, the one day of the year that people will legitimately question stories that they see, hunt down the right sources to see if it's true on the internet. Mm. I like That's that. very true. Yeah, yeah. It's very telling. Uh, obviously said it in more consinct way than I did. Anyway, so I'm on this website yep. called gamesmediabritlist.com. Sure. www.gamesmediabritlist.com. And <laughs> this is a very illustrious list, isn't it? It's a very illustrious list because in the best podcast and radio section, yeah. we're bloody in it. We're in it. And, and I don't want to start, like, stroking my belly about this. <laughs> I don't think that's the phrase, Sam. I don't think that is a phrase, full stop. I don't think that's any phrase. Blowing my you don't, fingers. You don't, you, don't hear a limp, you don't hear Olympic gold medalists saying, oh, I don't want to stroke my belly about this, but I did get a gold in 100 metres. <laughs> All right, I don't want to jump the yep. elbow. Right, Let's, should we just... But okay. I'm trying to be... I'm, what am I trying to be? I'm trying to be uh, humble. Humble. It's like weird. It's weird. It's weird, isn't it? It, it is weird. We're bloody in it. Yeah. And you know, you look at like some of the other nominees in just any of the sections. It's like, huh? Well, these are all real people. They're like real <laughs> yeah. people who do like this <laughs> who for actually real. spend most of the time on their shows talking about video games. Yeah. 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 So, so to be specific, <laughs> uh, the Games Media Brit List is a. Uh, it's uh, it's a games media uh, award, uh, and essentially it is for people who make media around video games specifically, um, or have or have content in it that is video games adjacent in the very least. So uh, there are a few like tech shows and stuff like that 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 yeah. are sometimes like you know that are part of it, um, and yeah, like you look at this list and it's like. You know, there's pals of ours on there, but we're like, yeah, well, obviously they're on there because they're like the BBC and there's IGN yeah. and there's One yeah. Life Left and there's Rock, Paper, Shotgun. And you're like, yeah, real shows. And then, and Video Gamer. Oh, and Kane and Rince. Have you listened to Kane and Rince? They're brilliant. They're brilliant. Like, they're genuinely, like, they are the smartest podcast ever. Like, you, they, they take these video games, idea, video game uh, topics and then talk about them in a really intellectual intelligent way and they just cover so many games they're brilliant loads of loads of fans and all that sort of stuff and then there's us yeah halfway down the list and it's like yeah. i don't know if they realize they've added us on there i mean do they know what a flexible cystoscopy is i don't because... i don't know i'm so <laughs> they must do you think they listened to that episode and thought oh that sounds smart like, yeah, yeah, on. yeah yeah on they go <laughs> on they go yeah no ludonarrative dis discourse yeah no, no, whatever like no 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 uh don't don't want to talk about any of that uh something about uh how someone's been playing titanfall 2 two years after it came out like um <laughs> yeah. Topical news such as that. Topical news. But there you go. I think that's um I'm genuinely I am like for all the taking the piss and stuff, I am like I am really excited. It's very, very cool. And I, I can't believe that we're on there and it's super, super And, and this is a proper this is a proper awards evening we're gonna be going. Oh yeah, to. no, it's a proper awards evening. There's like Oh my god. So I'm so I'm assuming that there's gonna be uh what So will who be? who will you be wearing, Pete? I'll be wearing I'll be wearing Pikachu. Uh, so Pete will be wearing his fencing whites. It's true, yeah. I'll be, and his running I'll be, I'll be, scuba gear. I'll be slapping those on. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna. It's gonna be weird to just like wonder because I've been to an award thing like this before. Uh, didn't win. Was that your graduation? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the award was thank you for doing three years of this. Here is a meaningless piece of paper. Uh, so I've been to one of these before, and it should be like a really good fun time. And it'll be weird that we'll be in the same room as Edge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, well, Chris, you and I are definitely we're definitely going to be in attendance, aren't we? We're going to make the road trip down, and I guess <laughs> it's so weird. Like, I guess we will we will go and we will network. Is that what people do? <laughs> and we will rub the bellies of. Just like, just like people stood there, like, yeah, no, like, I, I, I think yeah. that I found, you know, when I was, when I was playing with, um, when I was going through pr the the latest prey, I really found that the way that they handled the jump scares was a really intelligent way of of, of handling horror and 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 the feeling of the unknown. 
Yeah, that's true. But what's your favourite crisp? <laughs> oh, no. Have you ever eaten half a plate of meat? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what's your cinema scam? <laughs> like... Ridiculous! Oh, like, dear. oh, I think we're good. You oh. know how you know how some people when they go to awards evenings, they've got even though they don't think they're going to win, they mm. have like mm-hmm. their you know the acceptance speech just written in their pocket. I think we'll be the only people turning up having written everyone else's acceptance speeches. Yeah, and we'll genuinely get on the stage and have nothing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to contribute, which will be all. great. So yeah. uh, basically, I would say that the best thing that we can do is. Um, People should just suggest what we should say if we win. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Who should we thank? Yeah, who should we thank, basically? I'd like to thank Brannigans. No, because they're awful. Yeah, Do you they're... remember that we had those? And they were awful. They, they were, were just great. Bad. What are you they talking about? Be. You guys are on about them all the time. Ham and, and Brannigans. They were awful. This is I would, disgraceful. I would, I would like to thank the great nation of Slovakia. Yep. Oh, that's Brannigans and Slovakia. There we go. Sam, who would you like to thank? Oh, who would I like to thank? Maybe all the staff at the hospital. Mm. <laughs> yeah, thanks to all the staff at Warrington Urology Clinic. Incredible. Thank, thanks for putting a pipe up my peeper. <laughs> I'm bringing it out again, because, you know, yeah. putting it in there is one yeah. thing. Getting parts one and two correct, vital. <laughs> Pete, can, uh, important question. Is there, is there food at this place? Uh, oh no! <laughs> I don't even know how you can even bear to think about such a sub- such a subject at this moment. You're gonna eat them out of house and home. You'll walk in, they'll go, "Oh, it's a buffet, sir," and you'll go. <laughs> just all you can hear during every acceptance speech is Chris just <laughs> munching on crisps yeah, and yeah. sandwiches. Just like, and it's like everyone's just like looking at him, complaining. He's like, "Well, I'm never gonna win." <laughs> so the reason that i actually like doing this podcast is because we tend to talk about games that we actually like and and i because i there's so many different like groups of people talking about stuff that they just they're like oh i didn't really like this or this was a bit average or whatever so i like talking about stuff i like and i really want to talk with you about polytopia but i don't want to turn this into like because I really love it, and we talked about it before, about how yeah. I really do like it. And now the multiplayer mode is out. We've been playing that for a couple of months now. We played it on the uh, the, the little beta and stuff, and now now we're playing the proper version and stuff. And I love it. I think it is. I think it's the update that that game has needed. And I thought that the the, the single player game was good enough in and as, in and of itself. But and Chris, you're nodding your head like, yeah, this is a good game. I like this game. And then. Sam, you're sat there like, hmm. I don't like this game. So I... Would you want to explain what Polytopia is very quickly? Because I know we've talked about it before, but new listeners may not know what it is. Okay, yeah, so there is another podcast that you can listen to that's uh, got a deeper explanation of it, but it's basically a streamlined mobile version of Civilization. and if you don't know what that is, it's basically a game in which you start off with one little town, you have to... Uh, build out that town with different resources and different buildings and different uh, unit types and uh, get to the highest score or reach a certain score or defeat all of your enemies. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, if you think of it as it is to Civilization as Super Mario Run is to the original Super Mario Brothers. Uh, so it's that. Uh, and now it's got a multiplayer version where you can play it online cross-platform with all your pals uh, on iOS and Android. And yeah, I love it. There you go. I think it's great. The thing that's quite deceptive about Polytopia that I quite like is that when you start playing it, you're literally on your own. There's barely a lot you can afford at that point. It's just one figure in your own little settlement. Yeah. And the, uh, to start off with, the goes are pretty quick. Each go can last about five, ten seconds. And then obviously the more points or currency you accrue to spend on things, goes can then suddenly last up to two minutes. So it slowly increases. It slowly mm. ratchets up the amount of time you need to spend deliberating on the choices you made. And we've had a number of conversations about this because we've had a couple of, well, at least one instance of a multiplayer game that went south quite quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got very frustrating and it felt very territorial. It felt that actually 
this game was just all about combat. It was thinly veiled. It was all about combat. And, you know, there's lots of bonuses you can get. The pacifist trophy, there's a meditation temple you want to build. But why do I need to build a meditation temple if Sam is blowing me out of the water? Surely mm. I should really try and get a battleship rather than building a temple because that's not going to save me. And to start off with, I was kind of siding with Sam that he kind of, it's the luck of the draw. Sometimes you can literally be boxed in and people are fight, just surrounding you based on the luck of the draw where you start. Because the way it works is you've kind of got that fog of war. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's this huge map, but un- until you explore that area, it doesn't reveal itself to you. And there was this wonderful bit I think Dan put on the Snapchat. He was somewhere on the map, and he, he could just see above the clouds this just smoke rising. He's like, what's going on down there? <laughs> the rest of us knew what was happening. Because <laughs> I stupidly, because with a multiplayer game, you can bring in an AI which I think there was like easy, medium, hard. I think one was just called crazy. I thought crazy meant that it was just random. You could not predict it, but actually crazy is one more harder than hard. Yeah, And it just wiped us out. It wiped me out um, completely, and that wasn't very fun. Um, But what has happened in the most recent game that we're currently playing, it's quite a big game we're currently playing, is that we've actually opened a WhatsApp chat, very similar to what um, happened with Subterfuge. And actually what's happened now is that I haven't, attacks anyone yet um mm. and what i've discovered actually is that i'm not i'm less i'm less afraid of meeting new people because when you encounter another tribe i.e another player they will impart upon you a new skill as you, you yep. don't know already so i met somebody the other day they they taught me how to sail great i don't need to spend money to unlock that um somebody mm. taught me how to climb brilliant great i don't need to unlock that and it's yeah. become quite pleasant actually there's a there's because you've got the ability to communicate through this third party channel there is this way of saying i'm just i'm just coming through your area i just want to explore there's it's not necessarily because when you haven't got the ability to communicate you see any movement of a unit towards one of your bases as aggressive yeah of course which you should because obviously the game does still prioritize i would say aggression uh, more than uh, peaceful tactics there's there's there is a little bit more of a push towards that i would say but I know what Sam's going to say, and the fact, I mean, we're using a third-party piece of software to make the game more more pleasant. Without that, the game yeah. would be this kind of dog-eat-dog world. And I don't know whether it's the fact that yeah. I don't know all the people personally that we're playing with, because you've added this, you've created this group, Willington. So I don't know whether yeah. that changes the dynamic somewhat. Mm. Um, I don't, I can't put a name to these faces. In fact, until I meet this tribe, I don't know who is what tribe. I've not, for example, encountered yeah. Alex yet. I don't think I've even met you yet, Pete. No. Not yet. Um, um, so um, that maybe that changes the dynamic somewhat, but there is that that is actually a flaw in the game. Then surely that we're having to resort to using something like WhatsApp. There's basically no diplomacy. No. Like that, and and it's the same in the single player. Once the once the enemy AI comes up, starts coming after you, that's it. Like they are always going to come after you. So there is definitely a funnel towards aggression. Uh, if you uh, certainly in some of the modes, which are all about elimination, but. In the 10,000 point challenge that we, we've got, where you have to hit that level to actually win the game, it's the first person to do that. There is more. There are more options, I think. Uh, it isn't just, you can choose to be aggressive, but I ch- the last game I played, I was pretty peaceful. This game, I'm being pretty peaceful at the moment. Um, and I've chosen a tribe that is specifically geared towards that, that kind but, of peace. Here we but, go, here we go. Here can we, we, can go. we, can we have a drum roll for the Sam Turner butt? Uh, <laughs> but... I guarantee the only way that you've been allowed or available to be peaceful is that you've got enough land to do stuff with. Oh, I've got enough, you know, you've been given enough randomly chosen land to be able to go, well, I can just farm this and I can just organise that. I can hunt those animals. I can build something here. I can connect something here. This is fine. I don't need to attack because I've got plenty to be getting on with, Mm. you know, in my homestead. Mm. If you don't have that, if you're just randomly given like a couple of plots of land, then the only choice you can, the only choice you have to expand, is to go out and be forceful and to attack people. But you can always find you can always find a, an, a, an empty village that isn't owned by. Yeah, any yeah, players. you can always find an empty village, but the players who have more available to them from the starting outpost mm. are able to create more from the start therefore able to expand quicker and faster because you've only got a small area of land yeah you can't produce and regenerate the resources in time it, te- it will, basically what i'm saying is it will take you more turns 
to explore the surrounding area mm-hmm. if you've got less resources to start with than it will with someone who's got more resources to start. So they will benefit they will benefit earlier from being able to collect other villages because yes. they're in a greater advantage. If you don't choose a tribe that uh, is able to mitigate that. So, for example... Yeah, but but you choose a tribe before you're shown the land that you're yeah, getting. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That's why if you want to ensure that you can explore the lands really, really quickly, you choose Umaji because they have the ability of uh, horse riding tech. So if you want to get out and explore really, really fast, you don't have to research horse riding. You don't have to build a, 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 a horsey. Uh, you can just get on your horsey and start exploring very, very quickly at twice, in fact, I think twice, maybe three times the, the rate. Of... And then what happens if you're in a if you're in an area of land, which I was once, mm. surrounded by water? Yeah, so absolutely, that is a little bit more difficult. However, there are other races, like for example the Aquarion, who are able to do. But you more... don't know that before going in. Yes, absolutely, and it is there is an element of randomness, and it can lead. Not an element. The whole game is based around randomness. But the, the ga- game, the game for me. Yeah starts and ends within the first two turns because you look at the land you've got mm. and you go right this is this is my lot this is what i've got because by the time i get to a position where i can actually go and attack and produce and and, and go in and venture forth i'm not there's not going to have a chance the game that we're playing now it's yeah. over for me it's over we, we've played about four turns it's over I, there, there's just nothing i can do so the because don't... the resources aren't available to me yeah the position in the in the world has uh, due to the randomness of it yeah. has closed me off to to, to certain obstacles mm-hmm. and because the only thing that you've got to your advantage is aggression in order to overthrow places yeah yeah we can use a third party app to negotiate but and i'm fine with that but why isn't there a mechanic that says if you give me if you give me this, I'll exchange it for that. Yeah. I'll give you two stars in exchange for maybe a square of your of yeah. your land that I can farm and I can cultivate for my own. Yeah, like I just, I that, basically for me, mm. the game, even though I think it it is wonderful, it's just it just it's too random, mm-hmm. and it has one mechanic, which is just attack. And if you can't fend off an attack, then you lose. So I I. I... I disagree. I, 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 obviously, I disagree. I think that the, there, uh, there's absolutely an element of randomness, but it's not a game that is completely down to... Not an element. It is random. I don't think the game is down to luck. I think that you can, if you are a skilled player, you can overcome most situations in the same way that you can... Uh, when you come up against luck in something like a... like a Star Realms... Or something, or, or something where there is a, a a random element, you can mitigate it through the use of skill. Sometimes, yes, you're completely right. I have I have played games of Polytopia where I've been in situations where I'm like, I really don't know how I'm going to get out of this, and or I am at a severe disadvantage at this point. I agree with you, and but, I do think that that could be rectified with, uh, say, for example, uh, ma- like maps specifically specifically constructed maps so like you can like you would be able to choose between like five or six different maps like age of empires for example did that really really well and then i would but i would also say that the other side of things is i don't actually think aggression is the only only mechanic because i have won before not being aggressive i have i have but is that because you had enough land available to you to build the resources and do everything that you wanted to do without having to be aggressive. I did have enough land but I didn't have the most land. In fact I didn't have as much as one of my aggressive neighbours. But I did still win and that was because they spent so much of their time going down the military route rather that rather than me which I was like right I immediately got to meditation because I had meditation I could immediately create a uh, a brain washer whatever they're called I can't remember what they're called yeah um, uh, which allows me to convert enemy units and I just turtled up and then as soon as they came near me I just converted them and then I was like nope now they're mine and then I could take those convert the like Kill them, kill my own units off, convert them back into resources, and keep building up, keep turtling, and that was a perfectly valid strategy. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I agree. It's it's not perfect, absolutely, and I definitely do think that it is a game that could get 
better with a lot more diplomacy stuff, like a lot more options to win. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm yeah. I really, I did. I've not had the problems that you've had with it, basically. I, I think it's also the fact that it's it might be for you, Sam, more enjoyable as a single player experience than it is multiplayer because if, as you say, Sam, you've been dealt a rough, a, a tough, difficult hand, which I know exactly what that's like. Mm. Um, and you can opt out of that straight away and say, I'm not feeling this. But if you, there's that kind of pressure in a multiplayer game, am I the one who wants to pull the plug on this? Yeah. Considering the fact that we have 24 hours to take our go. <laughs> and how, when did we start playing our current game? Sam says we've, we've had four goes. How long, would you, how long have like we been playing this current? Five or six days ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very slow. It drags though. that out, doesn't it, really? That frustration. It definitely does. Uh, there are still, I mean, for example, there are still some notification problems with this multiplayer update. Like every once in a while, I just won't get a notification. Every once yeah, in a same. while, the it will forget. Like Dan's experiencing a thing where it will forget the turns that he did. And I've then, had that. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, absolutely. It's uh, is still. It's got teething problems at the moment. This multiplayer. But it is a gorgeous game, and it is a kind of a nice pick up and play kind of game. Yeah. It's quite intuitive. Um, it's very, very light sieve um, in some areas. Um, but I, th I think at the moment, for me, it works much better as a single-player experience than it does as a, a multiplayer experience, unless I've got that kind of... I'm mitigating some of that um, fear yeah. and frustration with something like WhatsApp as a means to kind of keep everything yeah. as pacifist as I can, ultimately, so I can actually go and enjoy what it is to explore and build stuff and actually watch my empire develop. Your civilization, uh, one might say, um, because obviously the the other the other part of this is I've also been well. You and I, Sam, we've we've been playing Civ Five. Yeah, uh, we yeah, talk, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And I was like, so because we had this conversation about Polytopia, where it was, I was like, I was trying to get to, to the bottom of what it is that you didn't like about Polytopia. Um, mm. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And, and one of the things that you said was that you wanted a game that explained or showed the progression of a civilization through the ages. Um, uh, and I was like, well, Civ is the game that does that. Um, and it's very much, very much, uh, Polytopia is very much mobile Civ. So I was like, okay, well, let's, let's play this. And if you don't like Civ, then you don't like these kinds of games. And that's okay. Uh, so we were playing Civ Five. Uh, you had like a pootle around on it for like half an hour, and then we got into a multiplayer game and we started playing it. And I was telling you a couple of bits and pieces of like some of the finer points, like some of the weird like stuff hidden away in different menus. Have you been? Uh, I, I'm assuming you've been enjoying it. You haven't just been. Well, yeah, just we've been we've me. we've put about six hours in two sessions. In two sessions behind Civ Five, which has been incredible, and it, and it is exactly and. I don't want to bash on Polytopia because it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like saying, oh, because it kind of feels like I'm saying I like the game because it's got a bigger budget, bigger scope. <laughs> it's on a PC, yeah, and you know, it, it, it just feels like I'm bashing on the game because it's just a slimmed down version of Civ Five. Yeah. But of course it is, because that's, you know, that's its selling point. My problem with Polytopia is the fact that it's just, I just feel like there's just one way to, to go about diplomacy. And there's just one way to go around interacting with other players. And what I love about Polytopia, the, the progression, the, the, the act of seeing your civilization go from this very small set of ruins to this grand temple within the desert. Like, I, I think that's beautiful. And, and Civ V in, its, in the expansive way that it, it does everything that it does allows me to, to see that. So I'm playing as the USA, you're playing as India, we're playing oh, as a yeah. team. Oh yeah and i love it can i ask because i've never played civ how does it work in multiplayer mode you're playing as two very distinct civilizations how do how, i mean geographic how does that how does that work well it, it kind of it, it, it fudges it, it fudges. so you're not like so even though you're playing two very recognizable global superpowers you're not playing on the natural globe you're playing on a completely random topography so, so the like Machu Picchu can be in Germany, yeah. 
and you know the great wall of china could be technically be in india and all these kind of these kind of things like so it it fudges a lot of the histrionics and the the history behind the the, the familiar sort of traits and tropes of of these nations that you're playing with Mm. so basically geology geology either happens a lot quicker or a lot slower in this (laughs) world so so one one of the things i will say is um uh, games of civ usually take 20 25 30 hours if uh, the kind of stuff that we're playing on the kind of world scale that we're playing on um there are a lot of different options so for example we could play a map that was representative of the real globe like we we could do that with starting positions for all of the right all of the nations in the right places we could do that if we wanted to in terms of how the game actually mechanically plays again we've talked about civ 6 it's the same kind of deal there but it is a turn-based game in which uh, you move around on hex grids and you have cities and you have units and in the cities you can build upgrades so you can focus on let's say for example banking and banking will give you access to more money and if you want and if you have more money you can buy units rather than produce units or you could focus on production i.e. you build mines and then if you've got lots of production you can build things for free but it takes x number of turns to do that and each each path is totally valid this is vanilla by the way that we're that we're playing if if, if people um if you've played civ before so we're playing Z- vanilla Not neapolitan civ. yeah 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 um and now i say it's turn-based online we are playing uh, i believe it's called hybrid which is where because sam and i are on the same team we both take our turns at the same time, then all of the opposing factions play their turn, then the barbarians play their turn, and I think the city-states take their turn at the same time as the barbarians. I think that's how it works. You can play turn-based, you can play all at the same time. So there's a lot of flexibility in in Civ as to how that works out. And we're rocking it, basically. I'm Gandhi, and I'm just trying to keep my people happy at the moment. That's the the big problem that I've got. There's loads of unhappiness being caused because I keep building cities and they don't like that at all. And that, uh, and I think that what boils down to it is that that's the crux. That's what I love about uh, about Civ Five, and I think that's the simulation. That's a tactical part of of these games that I love. Is that you can be trying for one thing, yep. but your civilization is calling you. F- is calling for you to address a different problem that's been caused by the yep. thing that you're going after. So I was in a I was in a similar situation to what Pete was. So I was going for rapid expansion and rapid growth, and I tried to settle loads and loads of colonies, thinking, yes, bigger is better. This is what Polytopia has taught me. Bigger yeah, is yeah, better. Let's yeah. get out. Let's let's expand our reach amongst this world. But then my population grew unhappy because there was because there was so many people and so much rapid expansion all the resources and the food and the wealth were spread amongst so many more people so they grew unhappy so i had to work out strategically and tactically how i was going to start to actually manage the resources and manage the food and the and the room available to me to stop my sort of civilization from crumbling from within and i think that that's the that, that's the crux of what i love about these games and and i think that just comes from a hefty exposure to board games which i think are a lot more in terms of mechanics and detail can be a lot more nuanced in the way that they deal with different player states and and yeah and, particularly euro games as particularly euro games yeah and i think that's kind of what i wanted from polytopia I didn't get it, which is why I've just bounced my head against it. The fact that there was no consequence for rapid expansion. There was no consequence for going down a particular pathway. You're just allowed to do it. And there's no consequence for being overly aggressive. You just win. Like in Civ Five, if you're overly aggressive, other nations can go, hang on you're not behaving very well. So we're going to respond and back up this nation and say, you know, we denounce you as a nation. We, we know can, how you love treaties, can, Sam. Yeah, I do love a treaty. I've got a couple going at the moment. They're great. So, so I think it's that flexibility. And 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 again, like I hate to rib on Polytopia because it is just it's just doing what it does, and it's and it's kind of perfect for what it is, what it is. And I and and my problems with it are it isn't just a big budget PC game, like right, <laughs> right. And that and it's not like that's not available for me to play. 
And can I ask, like, are there like, because I'm really curious, you've really piqued my interest in Civ, and like, I, I love that idea. I want to, play, I haven't played a simulation game in a while. Are there are there levels to it? How does it work? You know, are there levels? Are they broken no. down by eras? Like, yeah. if you're going, how far back are you starting with this civilization? So you start, I believe, at four thousand BC, uh, or maybe okay. three thousand, and you take it from. Again, it depends. It depends when you want to start the game. You could start in the industrial age if you want, but the general way that you play this game is you start in the prehistoric. Uh, the prehistoric, yeah, and the Big Bang. The Big Bang. You and you just, <laughs> you just next turn, it's next like turn, next turn, um, and uh, and basically you start off with basically a one unit that is able to found a city, and you just you think right where am i going to found my city and you go right i'm going to put it there and then everything then begins you do have different ages so you will progress through things like the renaissance and the industrial and then the information age and uh, those kinds of things and each of those ages is unlocked by researching along different parts of the tech tree and the tech tree is a so let's say for example you study writing use your science so science is like a uh, a resource. Use your science to study writing, and you discover writing. And now, because you've discovered writing, you have access to certain new buffs for your, for your it's civilization. It's a lot like Seven Wonders, if you think of it. Yeah, that, that's like what I'm that, kind of like, thinking about, actually. Seven Wonders. Yeah. So it's so it's it is it is along those lines in that way for for a tech tree. And then once you've unlocked a certain number of different tech trees, then you get into that next era. And new units get to uh, get unlocked and, and that kind of thing. In terms of board games, you're right to point out that it feels a lot like one because it is heavily inspired by the original 1980 board game called Civilization. In fact, I get the feeling that when because I think it was Microprose, I think it was Microprose when they first put this out. Yeah, it was um, as a, a publisher. Sid Meier put all of this stuff together, and obviously Sid Meier, big video game developer designer dude was inspired by lots of board games at the time and civilization which is massive and i would love to play at some point the board game uh, i think was a big inspiration for this and uh, but for me that that beyond the mechanics beyond how complex it, and there is a ton of complexity in here the thing i love about it is it's a it's a storytelling engine so at the moment one of the great things <laughs> is that sam is sam is america and i am india and at the moment we are so we're playing together so we're sharing our re uh, technologies and stuff like that and we're working together so that we can be the dominant superpower and the aztecs decided that this wasn't going to happen so they were like right we're gonna and so they came after sam and the aztecs were like hey we got these cool jaguar units so they went after sam stuff and jaguar units pretty pretty powerful early on and sam decimated them right like they really should not have picked the fight that they picked and then Sam went after them and just started going after their cities and entering those spaces. The Great Purge. Stuff. Oh yeah, like <laughs> there was a there was a war that went on for like a hundred years between oh the Americans and the Aztecs, and it was it was incredible. Like like taking out cities and after all that sort of stuff. And you get the feeling that the Aztec leader, this sort of this terrible situation of, oh, I've got these amazing things right now. And then the age turned just at the wrong moment. And then suddenly Sam's able to take the fight back to them. And now the Aztecs have made a deathly enemy. And so, and they're going to get wiped oh out. Oh my gosh. So when does Wakanda, when does Wakanda enter the war? <laughs> but it is, it's that horrible, you do get a bit of a horrible imperialist feeling oh yeah. with it. Oh yeah. Because... The Aztecs sort of went after me with their Jaguar units and their men with spears. And I just fought back with whatever I can. And then I've rocked up on their shores with my catapults and my chariots and my archers. And then I'm just about sending like a musket unit to like overthrow their cities. Because, but, but that's, but that's kind of the, the push and pull of how civilization works in terms of, of the resources it's kind of like we were pushed into a position where we were like okay we're we're at war with this nation we're mm. at war so suddenly i just you know had to change my tactics and change how i was going to do and start to research different elements of this war regime yeah, yeah. and when you start pooling all your resources into that area everything else becomes a lot a lot lax so the aztec nation had spent ages building up this massive army to take 
take me on. And in this instance, they failed. So when it became my turn to take them on, they'd used up all that time and resources and failed. And fortunately, I've started to succeed and push them back and take over their cities because they haven't got anything to defend themselves because yeah. they, they gambled on the wrong move and on the wrong series of, of, of events. Mm. And that's what I, I I think that's kind of, you know, that is what I love about the game. The fact is there is that timing, that strategy to it, and it allows those stories to come from it. Mm. And you do feel what would have been bad is if I'd done all that and then not felt slightly dirty afterwards and just yeah. gone, oh, the stupid Aztecs. Like, like I do feel slightly bad for taking over this like beautiful nation and, and overrunning it just because they attacked me. I could have gone down a completely different path and just said, let's just make peace. But I've just gone on and just like... I, at one point, I did make peace and actually said to them, I will attack you again unless you give me 12 gold per turn. And so I was... Did, you, did, your, did your president tweet that? <laughs> George Washington did not tweet that. <laughs> but, that. But that's what I mean. The fact it kind of does give me that horrible, yeah. dirty, disgusting feeling of being an imperialist nation that's means so. that the game is working and it's kind of teaching me a lot about, like civilization and growth and expansion and can you have can i yeah. can sorry can i ask just one question can you have civil wars so for example could your own civilization kind of try and topple you um so 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 okay so so that is somewhat represented in civilization 5 vanilla yeah so the, the community calls it vanilla vanilla essentially just means there are no dlcs that have been added onto this um, so there are other DLCs and there are other sequels where it's explored a little bit more. In Civ 5 Vanilla, when you take over an enemy city, the city will be under a state of chaos until you can build a courthouse, which brings in justice, which means that the population there feel like they have justice. So they basically that, that city will be like, okay... Okay, now we're fine under your rule because we realise that we're not being oppressed. You can also... Your citizens can become unhappy and they can start starving. And at that point, your city doesn't grow anymore. It just sits there and is kind of useless. Um, and there are other negative penalties towards it. There aren't necessarily civil wars, as it were, um, uh, in, in vanilla. Uh, but there, there are sort of hints at that. And you can see mechanically how they're trying to get across real concepts in how a society functions like concepts like economics and war for example like let's say for example you if if so my nation india at the moment we're just we're huddled up and we're just growing and expanding and and, and being happy and what we're trying to do actually is make a lot of money like that's our big thing at the moment that's what we're trying to push towards could have gone down the faith route but i was like nah so that's not gandhi's way that's not gandhi's way <laughs> I was like, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get hold of as many resource, special resources as I possibly can so I've, I can keep my, my people happy for as long as possible and therefore mitigate any problems that come with expanding and then create a big trade network and then that will allow me to make lots and lots of money and I can, and I can speed up lots of things like that. If I were to suddenly invade Germany and go after Bismarck, which would be a bad move. <laughs> Which in this map is just down the road. It is. Uh, yeah, so pretty much is. Uh, so if I were to invade Bismarck, the penalty for doing so with other nations, the AI nations, they would look at me and go, "This is clearly a warmonger. We need to deal with with this with this uh, Gandhi with this with with Gandhi." So we. So therefore, if I were to wage war all of the time, then I would be. I would have a negative influence on the world stage and again that's that mirrors real life to some degree you know warlike nations nations that are aggressive and militaristic tend to not have the backing of the un but surely that would also but also because you're teamed up with sam surely that would also affect people's attitudes towards the usa if they see india doing that yeah like in terms of those repercussions the politics in play there yeah so so vanilla civ uh, has some weirdness when you go online and do different online stuff like the civ 5 when it was originally released was kind of a little bit broken online and they've gone back and done a lot of work and it's perfectly fine now but there are some weirdness stuff when you play as teams so funnily enough sam and i are on the same team working together for the same causes and everyone knows that but he was at war with the aztecs and i was mates with them 
So I was mates with them and they declared war on me because I was technically an ally of Sam's. God, that's, that's very Shakespearean. Yeah. Sam, I am slightly concerned yeah, that you've what? started a WhatsApp group away from the yes. holiday WhatsApp group that we've, well, we've yeah. created. You've created a separate sub WhatsApp group that's, uh, I can't even remember what the title of it is, but it's, but it's just holiday games. Holiday games. Holiday games. Now, holiday, ga- basically this is a group in which we are ch- every once in a while chatting about what games are going to be taken with us on the holiday. Okay. Yeah. Now, Chris and I were looking at Chris. You sent me over a link to a video that Rado did. I know I like Rado. That's he's like, a, yeah. he's, like, like Rado a, a he's like a YouTuber who does basically. He plays the games that I like uh, with because he basically plays like two player, usually co- cooperative games uh, with his partner, and that's kind of what I like doing. Um, I really like his stuff. But he made like a holiday games list. Yeah, with a cardboard rhino um, who's a multi a Maltese um, YouTuber. To also reviews board games. Now, her because she she's because she's a YouTuber, isn't she? Yes, she is. Yeah, yeah. she is. Her list was excellent. Yeah, I, I yeah, was agreed. like, okay, there's a couple of couple of slightly like left of field things here, but generally quite like quite nice. Um, his one intense. Uh, like he he was t- <laughs> he was talking about taking stuff like Shadow Run, Shadow Run Crossfire, and I was like, yeah. nah, Rado, you're wrong on this one. Now, Sam, you fall way more into the rado camp no i don't you absolutely do what are you planning on bringing with you no i'm i'm sorry twister i <laughs> do not so my so my games that i'm bringing yeah uh cockroach poker okay that's fine Kakalakan. that's just a deck of cards that's fine right yeah light rhino battle the small version that's just a deck of cards are we playing this on a train no, we're playing it while we're out and about. Oh, right, we're going down. Da- we're going down to the Austrian pub for yeah. a meal and a drink. Yeah, just I can I can just slip cockroach poker in my back pocket. Anyone fancy right. a game? It's just a deck of we're cards. In the, we're, yeah, okay. It's fine. So we're in the queue for okay. the film to see Ready Player One. Yeah, and we're like, right, what else? What else are you getting out? Uh, Citadels, which is just a deck of cards and some coins. Yeah, no, I know that they're small, but aren't they? Yeah. isn't this quite complex? What do you mean it's quite common? No, no, no. Cockroach Poker is the simplest game, one of the simplest games I've ever played. What about Citadels? The most com- Citadels, yeah, but I'm also thinking because we're, we're going to three different cities right. and for two of those cities, we're staying in Airbnbs where we're going to have our own like dining table and, mm. you know, place to hang out. So I'm yeah. imagining that sometimes when we come in of, of an evening, we might just fancy half an hour... 40 minutes where we just sit down and relax and we all play a game. Right. So my idea with the games that I'm taking is there's some that are like cockroach poker where we're just chilling out, having a few very, very cheap continental beers. Nice. And like joking about what we think are rats or not. And then <laughs> Citadels and especially Pit Crew. <laughs> especially what, Pit Crew. <laughs> Pit Crew with a, sm- with a uh, small C. Um... Uh, other games that are maybe um, are just as portable as all the other games, but offer just a little bit more complexity while we're going away. So there's, and I don't know. Some of them may work, or some of them may not. But it's my first time going on holiday with uh, lots of great friends. So, so, is oh. this, so, is so the, this is actually really good public information because it, I've often found it. There are some lists online of travel games, but I've never actually done my own definitive list because generally when I go away traveling, I generally take love letter with me, um, pack of cards. And maybe Flux. I have taken Splendor away with me. If you take it out of the box, those poker chip things are quite chunky though and quite heavy. But it actually is yeah. just a deck of cards and some um, poker chips. And then you've got Splendor yeah. essentially. I've done that. Well, with me. I'm not taking one, Splendor this time, no way. No, I think this time my list so far right. is Pit Crew, Cockroach Poker, Rhino Battle, the small version, Citadels, and maybe Dolores. But one of the reasons I might not take Dolores is it's maximum a four player game. Yeah. So I'm just like, do I want to bulk out like what I'm bringing yeah. just so I can get out of game and go, actually, no, you two can't play. Yeah. But it's also um, it's also another bluffing game, which is quite similar to Kakalakan or Cockroach Poker. That's true. It? That's true, actually. I was also thinking of just packing one pack of codename cards, but yeah, like... 
I'm just I'm just getting into one of those moods now where it's just like, well, if I'm bringing that, I might as well bring code names because that's an excellent party game. And forgetting that we're in Salzburg and Budapest, yeah. and like there might be other things to do. Well, I'm like, I'm I looked through my collection of games. Yeah, and I'm gonna bring with me Sushi Go because you you requested that. And yeah, I think I think Sushi Go is a great one because that's yeah. kind of like. A good. We we're also going to be at airports and at train stations. Yeah. And you know, sushi goes is kind of like, does anyone fancy around? Yeah. And I think that'll be know. great. We're going to bring double, which I've never played before. Double's great fun. Chris likes double. Okay, so we'll play some double, and that'll be great. Now I'm looking at the rest of my collection. <laughs> There's not a lot in there that I would think. Space Hulk. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was sort of looking at Descent and thinking. <laughs> I looked at Descent and thought, it's only five player in it. Uh, so, so, but but I've realised actually that I've got quite a lot of complex games because, you know, I've just been, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but Race for the Galaxy. Like, I've got games like that and Descent and, as you mentioned, like Space Hulk and Blood Bowl and um, uh, what else? Uh, Arkham Horror and all that sort of stuff. And they're a bit more complex. There's not a lot of light stuff over there. No, you don't have... You do have some light games. There's a few. You have, um, like, you have uh, I'll tell you one game that you should bring, that? that you should definitely bring. No thanks. No, because actually I don't think it's a good travel game. Um, because it's got... What, because of the little... The tiny little chips. Counters. Yeah, they're hard enough to keep in your bloody hands as it is. Uh, I might bring Oh My Goods, which is a nice little engine building yeah. game. Yeah. Good uh, choice. Coup's quite good. I might bring Coup. Yeah. So, yeah, that could be is, good. Is, I, I think anything that should be brought, and I agree with Pete actually, which is one reason why I might not bring citadels. But yeah, um, but the thing is, citadels you could easily replace the counters with some shitty euros or, you know, whatever. Well, that's um, a, yeah, okay. Yeah, you could you could easily replace it if I lost them. But I'm just thinking of any game that's like a pack of cards because I'm right. I'm pretty convinced that I can fit the pack of cards inside the box of pit crew. Yeah. So. If I can only take, if I only need to take one box, and that's brilliant. Right, like right, all right. the games in one box. Right, and not to offend our European listeners as well, but when we say shitty euros, we mean like small denomination euros. Yeah, just like right. the small ones. Rather than like we're having our own problems over here. It's not like we can. <laughs> yeah. 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 it's not like we can laugh at any other anyone else's currency <laughs> or current political situation. Like Annihilation's a film on Netflix. Alex yeah, Garland's new film. You'd, okay. Pete, you would genuinely love it. Why? But why would I like it? First of all, it's science fiction. Okay, like it's it. It's one. One tick. One tick. It's written by Alex Garland. Yep, don't know who that is. He wrote Sunshine. Uh, oh, okay, tick two. Yep. He, he also wrote he The wrote Beach. And, direct, and The Beach. He wrote and directed Ex Machina. No, uh, you've got me with the, the one with the... You, when Is Sunshine the one where he looks at the sun and then he goes mad? Well, not Alex Garland in particular, no. but yes, a character does. <laughs> yeah. Looks yes. at the sun and goes mad. Goes mad. Yeah, I'm sure that was his pitch. I'm sure that was his elevator pitch, and they just went, "Yeah, whatever, Alex." <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's tick two. I need three ticks. Oh. How many ticks do you need three. to watch a film? I need three ticks. Three. So your third tick would that it features mm. uh, Natalie Portman. Mm. It's an all. It's an all. It's pretty much an all women cast, so it's it's okay. very progressive. All right, tick three. Yeah, that's fine. It's hang on, hang on. It's like the dramatic version of Ghostbusters. Yep, tick four. Okay, tick four. We got him there. Yep. Well, it is Chris. Come on, it's a bunch of scientists. It's a what bunch Ray? Of... What popped in there? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of scientists all wearing brown, venturing into a situation where none of them know what's going to happen. It's oh, basically right. Ghostbusters. Is it a comedy? No, it's not. That's why I said it's a dramatic version of oh. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. You can have um, a dramatic um, comedy. Well, yeah, it's true. So basically, the premise is a meteorite crash lands on Earth. Yep. And it creates this little force field around it called they call the Shimmer, and it's slowly expanding outwards. Okay. And the government has sent in teams of people in there, and they've never heard from them since. And Natalie Portman's character, her husband, was actually a part of a special ops unit who went into this, and she hasn't heard from him since. Right. Her being ex-military and a biologist, yes. um, she volunteers to join the team of researchers 
to go in there because previously all the people being sent in there have been military people but now it's actually a team of researchers to go in there try and get to the center of where the meteorite landed and find out what is causing the shimmer um, and how they can possibly stop it so the other interesting thing about this film is not only its premise but also contextually how this film actually came about so this is a proper big budget feature film produced by uh, Paramount, I want to say. Skydance, I think, yes, Skydance. And, yeah. and it was released um, nationwide in America, like a national sort of picture cinema release. But in our country and the rest of the world, it was bought by Netflix mm. because the studio deemed it too smart <laughs> for a general cinematic release. Wow. So... So they basically thought, oh, no, this is going to fail. A bit like what happened with the Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, which is probably one of the smartest avoidances of yes. a flop ever. Because I think that was made for something like 30 million and Netflix bought it for 50 million because the studio were convinced it was going to flop. And it was apparently it's awful. You've seen it, haven't you, Chris? I have seen it. Yeah, it's all right. Um, so this is kind of a similar deal here is the fact that, you know, this. a uh, 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 a, a film that was made for a nation a nationwide worldwide cinema release but that's been brought by Netflix and in this country at least and in Europe and the rest of the world has been just has been put on to Netflix which makes it kind of like a, a, a cultural pin if you want right. into this kind of new era of digital distribution that we're they're in but unlike the Cloverfield paradox Annihilation is actually a fantastic film and I am in agreement with Alex Garland, actually, who was initially, and probably remains so, annoyed that this was never released in cinemas because I would have loved Hmm. to have seen this in the cinema. It's a really interesting point Sam's makes because because it was on Netflix, like, I just popped it on um, while I was having yeah. a line in bed in the morning because you know one could easily read Chris, Jesus Christ having a line in bed I know what I want a two hour hard sci-fi experience well, that's the thing Sam but that's the thing Sam because even though I knew it was Alex Garland and I love Sunshine I own Sunshine as well and things and I like Ex Machina yeah. because it was on Netflix I thought oh it's like survival horror it's like Predator I, just, I can just watch that in bed and it's just something a bit mindless this is not a mindless film it is uh, a very no. mindful film and I was I was completely watching it in the wrong frame of mind and and two hours pass and you know i had to start the day you know mulling over oh all God, these Chris. ideas Jeez. and all these moments that have happened <laughs> into it and these ideas that it's putting forward but it, it's it's up there and because it was on netflix i was watching it in the t- totally wrong frame of mind and it is an ex- astonishing film right Both visually it's visually arresting it's gorgeous mm-hmm. yeah um, it does look great just some some incredible moments absolutely incredible moments and looking back at it as well, rewatching certain moments, because I've watched lots of um, kind of um, retrospective kind of analyses of the film. There's some really yeah, clever, too, cinemato- yeah. Yeah. clever cinema uses of cinematography and things that kind of thematically um, link together kind of all the ideas it's trying to put, bring, put to the table. And it's, 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 it's a kind of a, it's a blessing that I was able to get it so quickly on my tablet, but it's also a bit of a curse, unfortunately, because, because it wasn't in a cinema screen, it wasn't an event, which it should have been an event. I wasn't really treating it in the same way that I should have... I wasn't treating it in a way that I I, I felt the film de- demanded to be treated. Yeah, um, and and there's certain, there's certain things that uh, Alex Garland does with the camera where it's obvious that his intention was, this is going to be... Sit- this- this is this shot right here. Imagine this shot on a massive multiplex cinema screen. Right. Not thinking six months down the line that Chris is going to be watching it in his fucking bedroom on a tablet. Like, so, so some shots just look weird because they've been shot for a they've been shot for a cinema screen, but it, but they're ended up on like a TV screen instead. And so it 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 kind of just like I think if I'd watched this in a cinema screen i think i'd be a lot happier to recommend it i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more but that's just part of that just throw away disposability of it being on netflix right that it makes it a bit more difficult to to recommend because if you say to someone oh right you gotta watch you gotta watch this thing on netflix like they'll go yeah that's brilliant but i've got five other documentaries and 10 other series that i'm trying to go through i'm trying to watch seven seconds and i'm trying to watch making a murderer i mean watching doctor who again and all this kind of stuff i'm trying to watch the star trek original series animated uh uh the three seasons of the animated show at the moment so when you go on netflix 
you go on that, don't you? You don't go yeah. searching for new content and go, all that kind of I'm stuff gonna, to watch. I'm going to watch the thing that that one person recommended me because you always get you, there's always a dozen people saying, "Oh, you got to watch this. Oh, you got to watch yeah. it." It's like, and I and I also I would have loved to come out of annihilation with someone and gone. What did you think that was about? Yeah. Like, yeah. what, what, what okay. was your thought? What did you think was happening there? What? But instead, I just finished it and made myself a sandwich. You know, <laughs> and you couldn't even do your cinema griff, Sam. I couldn't even do my cinema griff, which is the most disappointing thing about not going to the cinema these days. God, this has been a weirdly political podcast. It has, isn't it? it? Yeah, there's been. We've touched. We've touched on. We've t- Chris, uh, Sam. We have touched on religion politics yeah. yeah uh we've touched on uh we've what else have we done uh we've talked about imperialism yeah we did that we've talked about the military but i would well, argue peter but i would argue that that has been in some respects mitigated by the gratification we've given to brannigan's great nation of slovakia yeah and the entire medical staff of warrington hospital urology clinic yeah Brilliant. So I think balance has been restored. Harmony has been achieved. (laughs) That was Staying In with Peter Willington, Sam Turner and myself, Chris Darby. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, Acast, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. If you'd like to leave a review too, we'd be really grateful. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to all the things we've covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.